We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Agree. Vince, where are you at right now? Time. I was just going to say that to you. My next one I'm pulling up is 12:39. Okay, so we're getting close. Yes, we are. Yeah, I couldn't remember what time you gave me before. 12:41. Okay, is Joe Allen's is the next yes, one? Okay, I've got three to go then to get there. Okay, perfect. All right, here we go. Tommy, in what order would you draft this year's QB class if they were all to go one after the other? Boy, that's a tough one. I I can't say that I would I would have a strong opinion on this because there are so many things that factor into it. What scheme? You know, I mean, the context. Some guys are going to fit better in some schemes than others. Boy, that's a tough one because I mean, Caleb Williams is number one for me. And yes, he had a down year, but there's a lot of quarterbacks that would love to have a down year like Caleb Williams had this year. Sure. I mean, I, I mean, number one, his team around him sucked. Let's be honest about that, okay? But the kid still went out there this year and passed for 3,600 yards, 9.4 yards per attempt, had 30 touchdowns and five picks, and he had 11 rushing touchdowns. There's a lot of quarterbacks that would love to have a down year and have 41 touchdowns and five interceptions and have, you know, over 3,700 yards of offense on a bad team, like in 12 games, right? Like the kid's pretty pretty good, and he has really good physical tools. You know, a lot of the other guys, like like Drake May, is is considered the consensus number two pick, and I'm not sure that I w- he would definitely be that for me, to be honest with you. Like he played in a different system this year; he didn't play in that real pass heavy system. He threw for 3,600 yards, only 8.5 for attempt, 24 touchdowns, nine picks, and then he had nine rushing touchdowns. I mean, Drake May had one great year and then one okay year for me. So now. What do you like? He's got a big arm. He's a pretty good athlete. He's got great size. The knock on Jaden Daniels, he's great skill, but he was kind of a one-hit wonder. He was never this good in other years. He was good, but he was never this good. Sure. It was his fifth full year as a starter, right, which you normally don't get, you know, because of the COVID stuff. And he's skinny. So, I mean, there's Michael Penix, injury history. Like, there's flaws on every guy after Caleb Williams, in my opinion. So a lot of it's going to be about team need. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and if it was up to me, as long as the medicals check out, I'd go Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. That's the way that I would go with those four. And then after that, I'd have to go look and see who else is even – um, who else is even available? Yeah. I mean, because, like, there's other guys that, 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 I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't be in consideration for me. You know, it would be like like Spencer Rattler's not in this conversation. And, you know, um, I'm not a huge Michael Pratt guy. He's got a lot of tools, but he's never really blown me away. Uh, Bo Nix is a really talented kid. I'd probably put him fifth in this conversation just because I, I worry about Bo's game translating to the next level a little bit as a passer just a little bit, you know, because it's a uniquely college-oriented sure. system. Very talented guy, and and um, you know, so so he would be in that conversation for me. After that, I mean, Quinn Ewers is going back to college. We don't know about JJ McCarthy. 
I don't. I think Sh- Sh- Shador Sanders is coming back, isn't he? Yes. Is he, yeah. Okay. No, he's, so he's going back to school. So I mean, after that, there's a big drop off between those five. And, and if you were going to tell me, hey, Bo Nick should be higher, okay, I'm not going to argue with you about that. He's a really good quarterback. But there's flaws on every kid after Caleb Williams to me. And even Caleb Williams has some flaws to me. I, I question his maturity a little bit. Yeah. Right. But he's young. He's a true yeah. junior. I mean, that that's going to be part of the process, you know. And and so as long as you think that part of it, of it checks out in the evaluation process, he's got all the physical gifts in the world. He doesn't turn the ball over. And you got to think he threw five picks this year. Three of them came against Notre Dame. Right. So in the other 11 games, only threw two picks. The whole year. I mean, the kid just doesn't turn the ball over, and he turned the ball over a bunch in a game where he he just played bad, and he was he played bad because he was just whooped pretty good by Notre Dame. I mean, it, great pass rush, great secondary. Yeah, I mean, it just was one of those bad games. Yeah, Drake May had several games like that, in my opinion. So after him, it's kind of like it's going to really come down to my opinion might change depending on who gets the certain spots. Sure. Of needing a quarterback and what system do they want to run and who fits that system better. But yeah, for me, it's Caleb, it's Caleb, Penix, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix. I'd actually probably put Bo Nix ahead of Jaden Daniels now that I think about it. Just because I think the body type fits a little bit. I have some concerns about Jaden Daniels uh, projecting next level, but man, he was lights out this year. I just, can he play like that in the NFL? at that skinny that's my that's my thing with Jaden Daniels if Jaden Daniels is about 25 pounds bigger I'd have him in conversation for number two okay I just I just really worry about his game translating to the next level and him being able to hold up for 17 games every yeah. year playing yeah. the way he plays and then if you take away that running ability he kind of loses some of what he does sure where Michael Penix can just sit in the pocket all day and throw the football Drake May can eventually become a guy that just sits in the pocket all day and throws the football uh, I don't know that Jaden Daniels is that guy. You know what I mean? That doesn't take anything away from what he did this year. He's a phenomenal college quarterback this year. Should have won the Heisman. He was my pick to win the Heisman. But is that's different than translating to the next sure. level. Yeah, it's a different conversation opinion. for sure. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, going way off the reservation on this one, Sky Shark 425. What was the most important battle of the Civil War, and why was it Grant's taking of Fort Henry? Well, there you go. (laughs) 
I honestly don't know that I have an answer to that one. Yeah, I, I'm I, so I far don't. removed. I'll be honest with you. I used to teach a civil war. I haven't studied in a long time. But it's been a long time, man. I've had my toe dipped in the uh, PE uh, health world for a long time. I'm just glad he so. didn't ask me why they fought the civil war. Oh, God. Sorry. I couldn't help myself. I... <laughs> Moron. <laughs> don't even get me started. I saw that on yeah. social media as well. <coughs> I was like, idiot. really? Really, idiot. I no oh, comment. I'm just yeah. gonna go. I'm just not gonna say anything. All right. Yeah. Uh, the last one I think for me uh, is this one from Tyler Evans with conference realignment. Which conference next year are you intrigued by? Well, the the SEC is my answer now because of how good Texas was this year. The fact that Texas beat the SEC champ at their place and Oklahoma got a lot better. I, I look, Brent Venables did a nice job with that team this year. I, I didn't I didn't think I don't I still don't think much of Brent Venables as a head coach. Yeah. But that team had a nice they had a nice year this year. 10 and 2, lost their bowl game, 10 and 3. That's better than I thought they were going to do. Sure. And they've got some talent to work with. So, I'm really looking forward to the SEC next year because you add Texas, you add Oklahoma. Yeah. The way that they did the schedules, I thought they were going to be a lot easier for the top SEC teams, but Georgia's got a tough schedule next year. Bama's schedule isn't super, super tough, but it's still challenging. They didn't completely crush Texas and Alabama and Oklahoma with their schedules like I thought they were going to, which is smart. And the Big Ten, to me, like the three of the four teams that are joining the Big Ten, I think are all going to be either not very good or take a step back. Like I think Washington's going to take a bit of a step back next year. Vince, you and I were talking about this, I think, in yesterday's show, or was it just you yeah. and I talking? I, I can't remember. I think it was in the show. Together. But, yeah. but, you know, Washington's going to lose a lot. And I don't know right. that they're in a position to just reload right. the way that they are. And so, you know, I could see them dropping down to nine and three or so next year. You know, UCLA, I don't know how good they're going to be next year. USC's, I don't think, going to be great next year. Oregon's still going to be pretty good, in my opinion. Will they be as good as they were this year? Debatable, but they'll at least be in the conversation. Whereas Texas is going to be a force next year, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I, it's the Big Ten for me only because I'm in because the word is intrigue, right? right? That's the one that jumped out at me. So I'm intrigued by what this new look Big Ten looks like and how be the same sucky Big Ten with four new teams in it. Well, but here's the difference in my opinion is the 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 higher echelon teams that have been up here for a while because, in my opinion, of the crappy schedules that they've had to play, now they're gonna have to play some teams with a pulse. And so yeah, that's I feel I like that's that. gonna that is going to, I don't know. But how much of a pulse right will those teams have next year? That's my question. Well, that's a good question. Like, how good is UCLA going to be? Right. How good is USC <laughs> going to be? True. Like, there's certainly brand names. Like, now this year, it'd be a different story, Vince. Absolutely. Because this year with Washington and Oregon and UCLA, those teams would have done some damage because the Big right. Ten was two teams, a mediocre team, and then a pile of junk. Correct. That's what the Big Ten was this year. Absolutely. Whereas, Absolutely. like – so, so that's I me, mean, but it's a, it's, but it definitely upgrades the middle of that conference. Yes. And then the top of the conference is better. Cause I think Oregon's a better football team right now than, than Penn state. Yeah. So I, I just you, think it's going to have a big some of these teams. You I, know I what I mean? So. Like, but it's, is it going to humble the Michigan and Ohio state that I don't know. I, that we'll see, you know, we'll find out, I guess, partly I mean, on Monday. Yeah, you know, we'll see. Yeah, Big Ten, we'll, Big Ten battle in the national title game. The fact that they know? play again next year in the regular season yeah. is fantastic. At but Washington, yeah. I, I am I am intrigued by the fact that you know Michigan still is going to be a good team next year. There's no whoever the coach is, whoever what right. they're still going to be a good team, but they're sure. actually going to have to bring Earn it more yeah. often than they had to this year. Let's put it that right. way. Agree, hundred percent. Yeah, agree, hundred percent. They're going to have to. Yes, their schedule is much tougher next year. Now, Ohio State's schedule is not quite as tough. Sure, but it's not a cakewalk either. And, right. and and as we've said before, you know, I'll I'll give Ohio State a pass on some of those years where their conference schedule is not real tough, because I I have said this before. I do think Ohio State does a good job of trying to schedule solid yes. out of conference. Agreed. Next year they don't. Next year I'm I'm, I'm going to be a little critical of Ohio State because they play Akron, Western Michigan, and Marshall. I'm sorry, that's that's, that's their that's out of conference. Point. That's their out of conference. But they play at Oregon, at Penn State. They got to play Michigan. They got to play Nebraska at home. They got to play Iowa at home. I mean, so it's a it's a softer schedule compared to the others. But as I've said before, I mean, you look at who Ohio State has played non-conference in recent years. 
Sure. They try. Notre Dame the last two years, they've played Oklahoma recently. They've played Cincinnati recently, who's a pretty good group of five team. So next year, you know, we'll see. I just hope it doesn't become a pattern. Yeah. And I and I don't think it is going to be a pattern. If I remember correctly, I thought they played somebody good in 25. But, yes, they played Texas in 2025. Okay. So I'll okay. give them that one-year pass of a softer non-conference in this craziness of all the conference realignment. Because once again, after a home and home against Notre Dame, they take one year off and then they go home and home against Texas. Right. Right. Okay. But I'll give you that. And then they play Ohio U and UConn. Those are, you know, at different times have been decent teams and they are doing a home and home, by the way, with Texas. Yes, they are. They go back to Texas. And then in 2027, they play Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. It's just looking at it. Right. In a home and home, the next two years, home and home with Alabama. So props to Ohio state for, you know, so I'll give them a pass that one year. Right. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. But to me, the SEC, Vince, you're adding two better teams. The top the, of the teams joining a new conference, I think two the two of the three best will be the teams joining the SEC because I do think Washington takes a step back next year. Okay. But I think there's a case that two of the three will be from the SEC. But just overall, the SEC was down this year, in my opinion. It was a very overrated conference this year. But – it's a conference that's going to quickly get back to being good because you had a lot of unique situations this year. Sure. You had some injuries on some teams. You had some teams that had some losses. You have new coaches taking over. I mean, look, say what you want about Brian Kelly. LSU's always going to be good while he's there. My beef, I've never said Brian Kelly's going to fail at LSU unless by failure, meaning you don't win a championship because I don't think he's going to win a championship. But they're always going to be nine and three or better, in my opinion. Florida, you know, let's see what they can do under Billy Napier. But, you know, Hugh Freeze coming back into the league at Auburn. Auburn's going to be good. Bama's going to still be good. Ole Miss is doing a great job right now under Lane Kiffin, right? They're very good. Tennessee with Josh Heupel, he's doing a great job there. Missouri under Eli Drinkwitz is doing a great job. And they're bringing in a lot of talent next year. Like, this league is going to be back to being really good again next year. So, like, this one down year that they had is, yeah, it's a bummer that they had a down year for them. But it, they're going to be back next year, and it's going to. Now that you add Texas and Oklahoma to that league, it's going to be strong again next year, right? You know, and 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 Kentucky's had a great off season from the portal. I mean, they're they're landing some good players, in my opinion, in the portal. So I think the SEC is going to be a much more. And I'm shocked at how much they really challenge these teams with their schedules. I'm really surprised at how much they're doing that. I mean, yeah. have you seen Georgia's schedule for next year, Vince? Well, it has to be harder than it was this year. Oh, I mean, well, here, here's my thing about Georgia this year. You are correct. Their schedule here is a joke. But <laughs> I've always said I give Oklahoma a pass because their ske- – or Georgia a pass because their schedule was made that way because of conference decisions. They okay. were supposed to play Oklahoma this year. But oh, the conference gotcha. nicked it when Oklahoma joined the SEC. When they decided to join in, yeah. Correct. And by the time they nixed it, there wasn't anything – Right, right. Yeah. Which yeah. makes sense. I get that. Yeah, I totally yep. get that. Yep. And speaking of Georgia, I was I I rifled through uh, Ohio State's uh, schedules moving forward, and I realized it's a it's a long time away. They got a home and home with Georgia starting in twenty thirty. Yeah, and that's my and they they've played yeah they played uh, uh, Oklahoma recently yeah. under Urban. So like so yeah, they played TCU one year. I'll yeah. never I'll never bang Ohio State for what they do out of conference. Sure. And they've done this my whole life for the most right. part. They've they've been willing to. I mean, when Jim Truss was there, they played Texas in a home-and-home. Remember that? They played USC when Pete Carroll was there in a home-and-home. So I I got no beef with Ohio State. So, yeah, that one weird year during all the conference realignment, they didn't schedule tough out of conference. Okay, whatever. It is what it is. I'll be critical of their schedule next year, but not criticize Ohio State because they've always – even the good in-state – Group of five teams. They'll they'll play Miami of Ohio when Miami of Ohio is good. They'll play sure. Cincinnati when Cincinnati was pretty good. You know what I mean? Like they're not afraid to play those teams. And then of course, like you said, they played Notre Dame, Texas, Georgia, Alabama. It you know, right. props to them. And this isn't the first time they've played Texas. Again, they played Texas in the two thousands in home and home with Vince Young. Won yeah. one year, lost the other. And the one the year that they lost was a phenomenal game and. And, you know, the year that Texas won, won the national championship. So I'll give them props for that. No right. doubt. Unlike Michigan, who's intentionally for years oh now gosh. played soft schedules. I, yeah, yeah. I even, yeah. Well, and what, what's their what's their non-conference next year? Do you Michigan? know? Michigan? Top of your head. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty soft again. Let me let me look it up. Um, <laughs> I think they might have they might actually might have one one decent one. Let me pull it up. Um, let me see here. Michigan twenty twenty four schedule. Come oh, they got on. Texas. Yeah, Fresno. Actually, they have three good ones: Texas, Fresno, Texas, and Arkansas State. Now they're all at home, of course. Of course, they but are. The Fresno game won't be a won't be a cakewalk either. Sure. And then twenty twenty five, they play at Oklahoma. Okay. So, yeah. We'll, we'll see. We shall see. Do you hold on a second? That can't possibly be true. What's that? In twenty. Okay, no, there it is. I was like, I was looking at their schedule. And I couldn't find Ohio State in twenty twenty five. Like, there's oh. no way that they don't play Ohio State. They do. It just yeah. They don't just, have it listed in um order. It's TBA. just home, 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 homes away, away, away. Yeah. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, no way. And so they had Ohio State at the top because that was yeah. one of their obviously yeah. their protected rivalries. That right. The Big Ten. That's why I was like, there's with. no way they don't play Ohio State. Yeah. But yeah, actually, those those three those three non conference next year are are quality. Good. And then they're, you know, then they've got to play home against USC at Washington, home against Oregon and at Ohio State. So, right. They're they're going to be exposed a little bit next year, especially Good. if Harwell leaves. They're going to catch some L. They're going to catch some serious L's next season. Keep rolling, I, buddy. I'm I'm, uh, I'm out. All right. I, I should out? say I'm okay. out, but like I, All I'm right. handing so the we're, baton we're, we're back up. Let's yeah. do it. Handing you the baton. All right, uh, Joe Allen says instead of giving these players uh, PS5 consoles and hats, maybe the some of the bowl revenue could be given to the players and used for NIL money, and maybe more players might not opt out. Well, it would have to be a lot more money for players not to opt yeah, out, and I don't know that they should be paying that, to be honest with you. I mean, look, <clears throat> payouts are, you know, was it like $4 million for some of these bowl games? So if you said... You know, every team has about a hundred kids. Let's say you gave every kid ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. That's a million dollars. That's a quarter of the bowl revenue. Just and that's only right. giving them ten thousand dollars. I was going to say that's not tipping the scale yeah. to these top guys that are going to no. be first round draft picks. Like I don't know close. that Joe Walt plays in the bowl game if they give him ten thousand dollars. Right. 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 I mean, exactly. and the, and the thing about it is, you know, if you only give it to scholarship players, okay, that's eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. If you only give them ten thousand dollars, if you give them fifteen thousand dollars, and you only give it to the eighty-five scholarship players, it's one point two seven five million. That's a that's a, that's a lot. for some of these bowl games, that's the entire payout. Yeah, correct. Like you know what I mean. And so what would happen is if you started demanding these bowls start giving these kids more money, like with all due respect. A pow- a play- PlayStation Five console is going to run you what five six hundred dollars. Well, you're not going to get them at cost too. I mean, they're you know they're right. not paying retail. Let's for just those say it's five six hundred dollars, right? Yeah. That can turning that into cash and saying okay, we'll just give you five six hundred dollars is not going to convince Joe Walt, Maris Leafal, Cam Hart to play in a bowl game for the for the when you consider the reasons they're not playing in the bowl game. Right. It would have to be five figures at least for them for some of these guys to make those decisions. That's just the reality right. of it. Like right. if you're giving these kids five, ten thousand dollars each, I still don't think that convinces all these Florida State kids playing the game. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I don't agree. know. No, it's not enough. Would I would I say that that kids should start getting some of that? I, I do think that they should start getting a cut of that. There, there's no question. It's a reward for the season. You know, so to me. You know, maybe you give them five grand and you give it to, you know, every kid that's on the every kid that's on the football team. You know, so that's five hundred thousand dollars. That's a little that's a lot of money, but that's a little bit more manageable for me and and more doable for me. So, I mean, I I could see something like that where but I don't want to see it to where, you know, some people have advocated for, you know, you give the top players X amount. I don't want to get into that crap. I don't want to get into whole having to negotiate with you know, kids to convince them to play. Look, if I have to convince you to play, I don't want you to play. I mean, that's the reality of it. If I have to convince you to play in the bowl game, then don't play in the bowl game. You're right. Cause, cause part of it too, is just like, what if I convinced, you know, let's say I'm at Notre Dame and let's say I'm the GM of the team and I convinced Joe Walt, I talk him into playing in the game and he goes out there in the game and he gets his knee blown out. I got to live with that the rest of my yeah, life. Yeah, absolutely. If he doesn't want to play, then don't play. Let me get Charles Jagasaw an opportunity. So, like, that's where I'm at with it now. Like, would I prefer that these kids play? Of course. Yes. yes. But it needs to be their decision to play. It needs to be up to them. It's not me bribing them or talking them into it or saying, hey, here's 
here's 20 grand to play in the game. No, give every kid like what I was saying, Vince, when you had to step out, I'd do something like every, you know, the, the low, you know, if you qualify for one of the lower tier bowls, maybe give a thousand, cut a thousand dollar check to every kid. And then you get up to the sun bowl and it's 5,000, but then you, you get into the college football playoff and now maybe you're cutting a ten thousand dollars check. Right, the payout is so much greater if you're sure. a year six or something like that. Sure, and it's so like I could see kind of like, hey, there's 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 a reward for having a good season and getting into a certain bowl game because you, hey, you're going to get a higher check depending on the bowl game you get into. So you you I could I could see things like that, but it needs to be a flat rate that you give to either everybody on the team or everyone on scholarship. One of those two, it needs to be that, and you have to actually participate in the bowl game to get that check unless you have a genuine injury that keeps you right 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 so like jordan travis for a florida state should have got paid because he was still part of the team he was with the team and doing all that stuff some guy that says oh well you know i have a i gotta rehab this and i'm not around the team anymore no you don't get that you don't get that you're not anymore so like last year i wouldn't have paid foskey and michael mayer i would have paid cam hart because Cam was out. He was injured. He couldn't play, but he's still with the team. He was coming back. Sure, sure. Michael Mayer. And, and I'm not upset with them. I'm just saying, like, I'm just trying to set a standard for sure. who does and doesn't yeah. deserve to, to you I, have to be a participant yeah. in the bowl game in some capacity to get that. And I, I would, I mean, I'm, I'm spending money that's not mine, uh, but I would pay everybody on the roster, not just the scholarship players. Yeah. It just personally, it just depends. I mean, because you're you're talking about like, let's say you're let's say you're given a thousand dollars. I mean, some of these teams have 115 guys on yeah. the roster, and you know, you, you know that's that's 30 extra guys. Even if you're paying something as low as a thousand dollars, and that's that's 30 grand to got. You know what I mean? Sure, so I get it. I, I I can understand why they wouldn't want to do it. That would be my preference. Yeah, right. That you pay everybody, you know, because like again, Chase Ketter should he played in the game? He practiced. He ran the scout team. Right. They deserve something as well if right. you're going to do that. Or maybe you could even prorate the the non scholarship players, you or you know so something. So like like you in a bowl game, yeah. the scholarship kids get five grand, the the walk on kids get fifteen hundred, something like that. Right. Yeah, I, I, okay. that yeah. makes sense, Vince. I like that. Yeah, I like that. So at least they're still getting a taste, right? You know, they're still getting a little something, uh, even if it's it. not as much yeah. as the scholarship kids do. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. I I can dig that. I like that. But yeah, yeah there's there's the, the problem is there's no. There is no easy answer to make guys play because it's just not going to happen the yeah. way things are these days. Yeah. Like mean, I'm actually on board with the idea of a revenue share. I yeah. just think it, it 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 can't be what people think it is. That's the problem. Like you can't give kids hundreds of thousands of dollars as part of a rev share. Right. Because number one, it, it's completely different than an NFL situation or professional sports teams because these are still colleges. There's so many other things that go into this. And and to your point, Vince, like you're you're talking about, let's say you have a hundred kids on your team, and you give every kid a hundred thousand dollars to play, Ooh. you know, and that's ten million dollars, right? That you've got to pay just, and that's not even a lot of money, right? You know what I mean? So it it, it just like to me, it's like give every kid, you know, twenty five grand, and that and that that can be the baseline. That can be what you know thirty grand. So like if you gave every kid thirty grand, every scholarship kid thirty grand. And you have 85 scholarships. That's a lot. That's 2.55 million dollars. That's still a lot of money. Yes, it but is. now every kid's guaranteed to walk out of college with earning, having earned six figures of of that stuff. And then now you get into things where you know you're selling jerseys. They should get a cut if they go do something. There's plenty of ways for these kids to earn more money beyond that. But now we're getting to that's what NIL should be. Yes. You know, you have a kid come do a signing. You pay him to be at the signing. You you sell a kid's jersey and and. And I think it's total crap that these schools are now cheaping out and just going, you know, the jersey in the store is just whatever year it is. You know, it's like because you know that's you know how that's how schools will be. It's 2024 next year, so we're only gonna told number 24 jerseys, and we're not gonna have anybody on the team being wearing number 24 because right. we don't have to pay them money. That's right. the bull crap of it. Yeah. You know, but say, look, you gotta give kids, even if you want to do something like I've advocated before, where if you do jersey sales. Then or and I would even do like a, a percentage of all the sales on game day. I'd take like you know five percent, one percent, something small, and say you take all the money we make on game day, and then we take like a percentage of this this your jersey sales and all this kind of stuff, and we're gonna put it in accounts where we're gonna then take care of any medical expenses you have for three years after you get done playing or five years after you get done playing college. 
sports. Because right now, when a kid's career is over, you're on your own, right? You have sure. this shoulder injury that you had that happened in the last game that you played. Yeah, we'll pay for your surgery, but all the rehab and all that, you're not part of the program anymore. You're on your own. Now, for the kids going to the NFL, great. They're fine. They'll have NFL teams. But most of these kids aren't playing the NFL. So there's all types of things that we can do as, a, as, as leadership of this to say, we're going to take care of these kids without turning it into, you know, basically making them employees, which is just a yeah. dangerous direction to go. Very, And it's all about people want to get – like this whole thing, it's just about unions and lawyers wanting to get their piece of the pie. That's all this whole employee thing is all about. That's it. That's it. It's not about looking out for young people because, hey, guess what? When you're an employee, guess what? You can be fired. You can be cut, right? I mean, that's what an employee is. No, I don't want to go that route. But we also, if we don't go at least to some level of rev share and have some sort of player representation as part of that process, then we're going to end up with employees. And that's going to be an absolute disaster for college sports, in my opinion. An absolute disaster. So, um, you know, lawyers will make money. Agents are going to make a lot of money. And that's all, unions are going to make money. That's all they care about. I don't care about the game. Because here's the thing. If you don't do this right, you end up hurting the game and you become what some of these other professional sports have turned into, which is, you know, like it, they're just, you can't, you, you're just not making the money you used to make because people aren't watching the way that they used to watch. People just stop caring. I mean, I've had people stop, say, hey, I love you, what you guys do, but I just, I'm not going to watch anymore because I just have given up on college sports. It's not fun for me anymore. You're going to get more and more and more of that. The, the the further down this road you go if you're not smart about it because there needs to be a we're looking out for the players there does but now it's so player focused now that it's just cheapening the game it's ruining the game and we're not helping young people just letting any kid they want transfer to just go get more money that what what you can't do that in the nfl if you sign a four-year contract, which is what a scholarship is, you can't just leave after two years to go get a bigger payday somewhere else. You can't do that anywhere else than other than now college football and college sports. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And it's killing the game. And we're not teaching the lessons we need to be teaching these young people. We weren't doing a great job of it before. But again, we took a broken system and made it worse in a lot of ways. That's not progress. That's not pro player. It's not. Just like being pro parent isn't just let your kid do whatever the heck he wants. Right? That's not good parenting. That's absentee parenting. Right. And, you know, it just, that's what we've turned into. Son, your bedtime's nine o'clock. No, I want it to be 11. All right, cool. Whatever you want. That's what we've done now as, as, an, as, a, as an entity of college sports. Whatever you want, we'll give it to you. We're not going to do any kind of leadership whatsoever. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's my rant for the day. It's been a long time since so I've given a good rant, Vince. I enjoyed it. It's been a while. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Irish English, will Ohio State be better or worse at quarterback next year? Uh, wash. Yeah. I mean, it really is going to be determined by what's around that quarterback is really what it, it's going to come down to. You know, it, it, it's – do you build around Will Howard's unique skill set or do you try to fit Will Howard into what you do? That's that's the question. Like, honestly, if they build around his skill set, they could be better at quarterback next year if they build around him because he can add a, a playmaking element that, that Kyle McCord didn't have right with his legs and moving the pocket, but is Ryan day capable of doing that? I don't know the answer to that. 
that's the question mark. So if they genuinely build around, you know, that level of, of, Hey, here's who he is. We're going to play to that. Cause it actually makes sense. Cause Devin Brown's a pretty mobile kid too. It would make sense right. to do that. Air Nolan is not right. Uh, you know, so it just depends on where that, what direction they want to go. Or do they try to fit a square peg into a round hole? That's going to be the question. Right. And if they build around Will Howard's unique skill set, I think they can be better at quarterback next year because he'll bring more of a playmaking element to the table than what Kyle McCord had. Sure. In my opinion. Yeah. But that wasn't their plan going into the whole offseason quarterback thing. So I wonder if they're willing to build around him. You know what I mean? Like, right. I feel like he fell into their laps essentially. And since he wasn't their initial plan, is that. You know what? I, does that make sense? What I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of faith that they're gonna do a good job with that. But hey, we'll see what happens. Agree. Agree. Christopher Crosby, Brian. We are the same age. I'm trying to think back. Have you ever seen an offensive unit as bad as Iowa has been the past two seasons? Beyond awful. I don't. I can't. Um, I mean, even, even Notre Dame in 2017 was, or 2007 was better than that. I believe if I remember correct, let me go back and look at the 2017 Notre Dame football team and see what their stats were that year. That year, Notre Dame averaged 16.4 points per game. So you could say maybe they were close 116th out of 119 teams. That's probably the last time I saw a team that that was that bad on offense. Like, but even then, that year they scored 28 points in a game, 44 points in a game, you know, against power five teams, you know, 28, 24 in their last three games. I mean, Iowa just, I mean, they were abysmal. Did they score a point against the good teams they played this year? Let's see here. They got shut out by Penn on, State. On the bowl game. They got man. shut out by Michigan and they got shut out by Tennessee. Did they, they didn't play Ohio State, right? I don't think so, no. I mean, the most points they scored in the game this year was 41 against Western Michigan. So they averaged 15.4 points per game, Oof. which is Notre Dame's – as bad as Notre Dame was in 2007, they averaged 16.4. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Gosh, that was – Were they that ridiculous. bad in 07? Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, they, they lost 33-3 to to Georgia Tech. They lost 38 nothing to Michigan, 38 nothing to USC. Um you know, I mean, but again, they scored more. I mean, late in the year, they went 44, 24, 28, and 21 in their last four games. Okay. So, I mean, they scored 13 points in their first three games combined. They didn't get to 20 points until their win over UCLA, and a lot of that had to do with the defense. Yeah. True. But then after that, you know, 14 against BC, zero against USC. But then the last four games, like I said, they lost 46, 44. That was 24, 24 going into overtime. But still, they scored over 20 points in regulation of each of their last four games. Beat Duke 28-7, beat Stanford 21-14, lost to Air Force 41-24. So, I mean, mm. I mean, whereas you look at Iowa, their last nine games, they scored 20, 15, 10, 10, 22, 15, 13, 0, 0. They scored yeah. over 26 points once this entire yeah. year. It was against Western Michigan. <clears throat> they haven't scored in a month and a half. Right. Notre Dame scored over 26 points twice that year. Most teams call that an offseason. Right. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's freaking ridiculous, Vince. No, I, I don't know that I – especially a team that has, like, a really good defense and special teams. Right. Like, exactly. Like, Notre Dame just sucked everywhere in 2007. They were right. terrible on defense, terrible on special teams, terrible on offense. They were just terrible. Iowa had a great defense this year. Well, I don't know, great. Really good defense this year. They were great until Cooper Dijon got hurt, I would say that. But yeah, it's just really terrible, man. Really terrible. T guns. Which potential new rivalries do you think will come about? Are there any two schools that you would like to see a rivalry develop between? Mine is Michigan State and Southern Cal, the Trojan War. I dig that. Yeah, okay. I mean you, the Trojans against the Spartans, right? I mean that's a that's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, I, I could see something like that. I mean, look. I would love to see like Ohio State and USC kind of develop a little bit of a rivalry just because they're two powers. Um, yeah, I mean, that that Michigan and Washington could maybe become one. They played in the 93 Rose Bowl, or Rose Bowl, which is a phenomenal game. You know, they play in the national title game against each other this year. They play each other next year. They played each other recently, I believe. I believe Michigan and – no, no, 90, that was Colorado. I, I No, that was Colorado. But, uh, you know, actually, I think Michigan and – 
I think Michigan and Ohio and, and Michigan Washington, and Washington did, did, did play, play recently, like two years ago. Yeah, and um, I think it was the year that Washington was really bad, right? Wasn't it the year they were four and eight? And and yes, to, uh, no, it's twenty twenty one. Yeah, it was the year that they were really bad. The year before um, Kalen DeBoer got hired, and Michigan holds an all an eight five all time lead. They've played four times in the Rose Bowl. Uh, it's tied two two actually in the Rose Bowl. So yeah, I mean that that'd be an interesting one because there is already some history there. Uh, SEC wise, I'm really curious to see who Texas and Oklahoma kind of if there's any type of because that's all going to be determined by the league. You have yeah. to play someone enough for it to become a rivalry. And so if like like Texas Alabama, like it'd be really smart to let them kind of maybe develop some sort of a rivalry. Sure. And it doesn't have to play every year, but a lot. I, I'm I'm curious about that. But I'd love to see like you know, Texas develop a rivalry with one of the established powers, uh, Alabama, Florida, Tennessee, like that actually be a really cool one. Tennessee, Texas, make that a rivalry, you know, that UT versus UT kind of thing. You know what I mean? Burnt orange versus whatever orange, the, you know, Tennessee has. Yeah. Right. Which orange do you like better? I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that, that'd be a good one. That'd be a really good one, you know. I do like Tommy's. I do like yeah. Tommy's. That's a good one. I do like that Just one. Thinking outside the box yeah. a little bit. I like. Yeah, because you're thinking. Yeah, that that'd be a real good one. I like that a lot, Tommy. Benjamin says, with the new strength coach, what things will you be looking for to show that the culture is changing in a good way at Notre Dame? I mean, just overall toughness of the team. I mean, you're showing up every week. You know, are you mentally and physically ready to go every week? Are you able to mat- meet every challenge? Are you a good fourth quarter team? Are yeah, you a good November a team? One. That's you know, those are too. all those are all those big are the things. two for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it, it's a little tough to quantify, obviously, outside of like wins and losses and just watching yeah. them play. But there was a noticeable difference when Matt Bayless took over. Yeah. in end of games and November. Oh, November I mean, was the do, biggest do one. Do you remember, like when we first started doing this, and it was early in Brian Kelly's tenure, his Novembers were god awful like, yeah he was terrible in november well, his well his first one was actually really good if you remember the first november was really good so you're thinking like hey this is a change right because okay. remember 2010 they lost they uh they they lost in, to tulsa at the end of october and then they had a bye week and and then they beat utah 28-3 army and then they had their big win over usc and then they beat miami and so you're thinking like hey this is going to be pretty good and then the next year they won their first three in November as well, even though some of them were a couple of them were ugly, Wake and BC. But then they lost to Stanford, and then um, you know Is that when so, the wheels fell off. Or no, no, well, they went undefeated. Twenty twelve, they went undefeated too. Yeah, thirteen, they lost two out of their last three in November. Barely beat Navy that one year. Uh, two thousand and fourteen, they lost four games in November. They went one and four in the month of November. There we go. Twenty fifteen, they lost the the game. Stanford. They played. They even though they went three and one in, in November, they played like crap against Wake Forest. They were terrible against Boston College. Fell out of the top out of the top four in the playoff before they even lost because of how bad they played against Wake and BC. And then of course lost to Stanford. Twenty sixteen, obviously November was a bad month. Uh, they went one and three in the month of November. Then twenty seventeen, they collapsed down the stretch in November. Lost to Miami. Lost to Stanford. Twenty eighteen, they were good in November. Uh, if you remember, they had some good wins then. And then you get to 2019, they were good in November. But what what happened around then, right? Those are the first few seasons of the Matt Bayless era. Correct, yeah. Right. And then they started started to dominate. 2020, they were good in November. 2021, they were good in November, right? And that was – that's when it started to change. But from basically, you know, 11, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, even going to the first year of Matt Bayless – November became it was still a problem. Yeah, and then it became this is when we're money. Right, you don't want to play us in November now. Correct. Yeah, the 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 narrative totally changed. I I I just remember there being a Brian Kelly narrative in November that wasn't good. Well, even last year with with in Bayless's last year with with or one year with Marcus Freeman, it was. I mean, they lost the game to USC, but USC was a much better team than they were. Sure, they were pretty competitive, but they were playing pretty good football, at least pretty physical football coming into that game. Right, and then of course went to the bowl game and did well. So. You know, those are the things, but it's just about developing a mental toughness yeah. and a togetherness. That's what the weight room ultimately, from a culture standpoint, is about. Sure, sure. It's about building mental and physical toughness and unity. Right. Because we're doing this together. 
you were right there with me this summer when we were sweating our butts off and we were in pain and right. we were covered in this and we were, you know, you were, you were by my side. I know that you're down for this because you had every chance to quit like that one guy did or like that other guy did. Right. But you didn't, you had my back. I had your back. We did this thing together and it, and it, it builds that unity in ways that you just can't, you can't quantify, uh, you know, as far as like a metric, you just, when you look right. at your team, you're like, this is a unified team. This is a tough team. This is a physically tough team. This is a mentally tough team. Yeah. And this is a unified football team. Those are three key ingredients that have to be true of Marcus Freeman's tenure. Yes. And I don't care if you're doing old school lifts or the modern sports sciences, those things still need to be part of what is being developed in the strength program. It can't be only up to the strength coach, but it's a big part of it. And right. Oh, we got a super chat here from AST12321. Thank you very, very much. What tier of quarterback do you expect Riley Leonard to be? Top five, top 10, top 15. And are there any returning quarterbacks in college football that you would take hands down over Leonard if they were willing to come? Well, number one, he needs to be top 10 for sure and pushing for top five. That's the expectation for me. Agreed. And, you know, who would I take over him? And I'd have, let me just look and see who's coming back this year. As I say, the coming back thing is the key. Yeah, because, I mean, most of the top quarterbacks are gone. Michael right. Penix is gone. Bo Nix is gone. Jaden Daniels is gone. Cameron Ward's gone. Caleb Williams is gone. Drake May is gone. Quinn Ewers would be one I'd want to have a conversation about. That would be one That's I'd want fair. to have a I think he's really about. good. I, I, I do, too. I think he went from overrated to underrated very much. Yes, and I think he also – well, part of that, in my opinion, is his maturity level, I think, has yep. gotten a hell of a lot better over the last he's couple He's grown of years. up. Yeah, you know, right. His, his faith has become a big part of you know, who he is now, and he's talked Look, about it. He was making a lot of decisions as, like, a 17-year-old. Because, remember, he came out yep. of high school a year early. Yep. So, I mean, he, he was chirping a lot as a 17-year-old kid, and I – it is rare to find a kid who's 17 who has their head completely on their shoulders with all the I know I sure as heck didn't. that he was getting. So yeah. I will give him a bit of a pass because I do like the kid that he has turned into at this yeah. point. So yeah. I agree with you on Quinn Ewers. Yeah. That's about the only one that I know of that's coming back next year. Yeah. That I would say confidently that that kid I would think about. All right. What, right? Is the chat coming up with anybody? Because uh, I, I – I'm I'm not coming up with any other possibilities either. Uh, as, as I'm looking at this, I, I in my head, I don't, I can't think of any other quarterbacks that. Somebody I, said the Fafita kid from Arizona. I wouldn't take him. Uh, yeah, Jack okay. Plummer. Somebody's joking about that. Uh, Carson <laughs> Beck from Georgia. I think Carson Beck is a lot like Stetson Bennett. He's a good game manager for that sure. system. Sure, but it's about the guys around him. I mean, most yes. of the best quarterbacks in college football, the Brady cook from Missouri is not a guy that I would, I would take over him. Um, you know, I, I just, now that doesn't mean there won't be Dylan Gabriel. I wouldn't take over him. Number one, he's injury prone. Um, somebody said Malachi Nelson. What? What? Wow. He's visiting Boise state. Yeah. No power five teams are looking at that kid right now with any seriousness. Come on. What does that Come tell on. you? Malachi Nelson. Really? Come on now. Um, okay. No. No. Come on. We're not being serious today. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, maybe. Maybe J.J. because J.J.'s done it for longer. But I, I'm not – I've look, I'll be, I'll be, I've never been high on J.J. McCarthy. I'm still not. Uh, Nothing he, he a, showed me, though, this year yeah. has made me change my mind. No, he's a he's – That's a, a thing. He just does what he's asked to do. He's not – you know, but like he, him and Riley Leonard are very similar in style. You know, athletic kids that can make plays with their legs, can make plays when things break down. JJ's got a stronger arm. Riley, I think, has a more natural feel as a passer than JJ did. That's a decent one. JJ McCarthy, because look, whatever you want to say about JJ McCarthy, he's a starting quarterback on a team that wins a lot of football games. The thing is, they just don't ask him to win a lot of those football games. They just don't. Yeah. But, you know, look, I thought he did a nice job on Saturday or on Monday of when they were struggling early. He made a couple clutch throws that got them going, that sparked them. I'll give him that. After he had thrown that pick and, you know, he made a couple plays late. But, you know. He didn't make a lot of plays early. That was part of the Yeah, problem. well, I thought, I thought he did early to settle them down and get them the lead. And then it was a bunch of 
and then he made a couple plays late. But that's kind of who he is. Like, I mean, they literally beat Penn State on the road in a game where he did not attempt a single pass in the second half. I mean, it, if you think your quarterback is the best quarterback in college football, right, in the history of college football, you don't go an entire half without having a full football. It's not how you're come calling on. the game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. come on. Let's be honest. Yep. Yep. So, no, I'm just not there yet for him. But he does have some physical tools. Jalen Milrow, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. Jackson Dart from Ole Miss, he could he could get there. He's not there now. But I thought Jackson finished the season off pretty well. He, he'd be one I'd at least consider. He'd, I'd at least consider him. But I wouldn't take him over Riley Leonard right now. I don't. Definitely wouldn't take Jalen Milrow. I I don't. I'll be. I won't be shocked if Jalen Milrow's not the starter at Alabama by the end of next season. I won't be mm. shocked at all. If Dylan Lonergan is that guy, won't be shocked at all. Yep, agree. That's good. Good. Good thought, man. I, I like questions like that. Like, yeah. But as far as your original question, he needs to be a top ten quarterback, no doubt, and he needs to yes. be pushing for top five. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That is the expectation when they bring him and, in. And too. I don't mean passing yards. I just mean impact. Right. That that's where he needs to be. Lou Holtz, Thunder and Bolts with the super chat. Thank you very, very much. As a dad of four little ones, plugging into IB means everything in between the juggle of work and family. Thanks for all you do for the IB family. It is special. Praying for good health for you and all, and much success in 24. Hashtag IB equals TGS. I don't know. Does that mean the good stuff? Is that what that sure. means? I, that works for me. I like it. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, very, very much. I love that name. He's one of my. He, he's top five of my names. Uh, you know, meme. You know, whatever. Uh, yep. Lou Holtz, Thunder and Bolts. Yep. Big fan of that. And uh, four kids. God bless you. Yeah, I mean, I, I struggled my two dogs. Like, stop barking. You know, <laughs> doing a show. They don't understand. Um, did you see me yesterday? Mm. I was like. Sadie, stop talking. Yeah. I knew you were yeah. yelling something. I wasn't yeah. sure what you were yelling, yeah. but yes, I know. Sadie had seen something. She was going off. And so mm. I just was yelling her name to get her attention, and then she'll usually stop barking. Uh, but she didn't the first time. She's pretty fired up. Oh, that's uh, funny. Yeah, it's per- pretty pretty funny. Yeah. Aiden Benami, thank you very much for the super chat. Any feeling on Burgess tomorrow? Also, just me, or did our O-line look bigger than ever versus OSU? Uh, championship game prediction? Everyone pray now till Monday for a Husky dub. Yeah, I would love to see Washington win that game. Um, they definitely were bigger against Oregon State, but also they looked bigger because bigger than ever. I don't know about that. They 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 had that 2000 was it 2017 line. It's pretty flipping massive. I mean, Mike McGlinchey was 6'8, 315. Quinn Nelson was 6'5, 340. Alex Bars was 6'6, like 325. When Tommy Kramer was in the game, he was 6'5", 315. Nick Martin was, what, 6'4", 305? Steve, Steve Elmer was like 315, 320. He was a big boy, too, when he was in, on uh, when you look at that 2015 O-line. But that 2017 O-line was pretty flipping massive. Yeah, You know, this one was big at, at left tackle, but mm. the other guys weren't like, I mean, Billy Shrouth is like 305, 310. Yeah. Ashton Craig's 305. Pat Coogan's like 305, 310. Josh Baker's like 310, 315. And then Jagasaw at 330. The other reason they looked even bigger is because one thing we did say, Oregon State's not a real big defense. Right. That's the other reason they, they looked a little bigger. You know, Andrew Chatfield's like 6'2", 225. Um, you know, 6'2", 285, 6'4", 290. Those are the those were their D linemen. They didn't have some of the you – know, like if they were matched up against Texas – and the sweat kid who's like 350, Byron Murphy's 300 plus. They wouldn't have looked as big, sure, in that instance as they sure. did against. Like they looked really big against Ohio State as well, but that's because Ohio State's a smaller D line. They're smaller, quicker, especially up the middle. You know, Tyreek Williams is like six two. You know, they're listed at 285, but I think he's probably over 300. Michael Hall's not real big. He's like six three, 290. They're not a huge defensive line, so that that factors into it as well. Sure. As far as any feeling on Burgess, we'll see how it plays out. It's Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, I think, are the three top contenders. Uh, depending on who you talk to, Ryan just texted me and um, um, said that, uh, you know, there, there's some 
some good vibes down there for him, but I also know that Notre Dame's a little bit concerned about Ohio State in, in right now, and and Ohio State's made a hard charge. So we'll find out tomorrow. But uh, you know, Notre Dame's Notre Dame's pushing hard. This is a big one for Al Washington. You you win this one and get Damian Shanklin, and all of a sudden, I don't give a rip about Justin Scott anymore. I don't. You know, I mean, because now you've okay. You had to, every coach has their losses. But now, all of a sudden, you get the best D lineman in Chicago in 2025. You get the best D lineman in Indiana. Arguably, the two best D linemen in the North. If Burgess and Shanklin, I would argue, are the, you know, in the conversation for two best Northern defensive linemen in this that class to go with CJ May, who got out of Alabama, to go with Joseph Reef, who's a really nice like, program type of kid, to go with Davion Dixon, who's a Southern kid from Florida, that's a top 150 caliber recruit. That's one heck of a D line class, man. One so this is a big one for Al Washington, and and here's the thing he's gotten some good players in 2024, and some good players in 25, but he hasn't beaten the Northern big boys for them. He hasn't beaten Ohio State yet. He hasn't beaten Michigan yet for those. For well, kind of Joseph Reef, but he hasn't beaten them for the big time guys. You beat them for Chris Burgess. That's huge. Not only are you getting a, a talented player, but you had to beat the big boys to get him. That's you know you had to beat Michigan. You had to beat Ohio State to get him. That would be big. So this is a big 24-hour, 30-hour period for Al Washington, in okay. my opinion. This, okay. this could be a huge momentum-gaining win for him on the recruiting trail. You know, it's where it's not just landing the guys that are, you know, good prospects with high upside like he got last year. You know, because, like, right now, you're like, well, he just signed the top 50 recruit. The top 50 recruit's dad played at Notre Dame, right? Like, there's you, – you can only – You got home field a, advantage on did, that. Exactly. Like, he yeah. did a good job. You had to go recruit sure. him, do all that. But it's kind of sure. like, eh, does that really move the needle in the perception-wise? This one's different. Yeah. I mean, it's a win you should get at Notre Dame, but it's one they haven't gotten in a while. Yeah. Right? To beat a Ohio State and Michigan and Bama for a top 100 kid that they all want – Right. Is the type of, okay, this isn't a Logan Thomas where you got a high ceiling kid that's under under recruited or Cole Mullins, who I love, but under recruited. You didn't have to beat Georgia for those guys or Texas or necessarily. Now, even though they're great pickups, this one you got to beat them for. And it would be the second straight D line recruitment they beat Ohio State for because they also beat Ohio State for Sean Sevillano, kind of. Kind of. Ohio State hadn't made their move yet on Sevillano. Yeah. Sevillano when they got him, but they were recruiting him. Yeah. So that's a win, but this is a different kind of win sure. because there's no doubt that the Buckeyes want Chris Burgess. No doubt. And so that's what would make it big if they like can, it. if he can finish that way. And we'll, we'll find out tomorrow. Another so. one from Iden. Thank you very much. What Thunder and Bolts just said times a hundred. Appreciate that very much. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Uh, Andrew Van, thanks for the super chat. In five years, which Jay Love had the better ND career? That's an interesting one. So uh, Jeremiah Love or Julian Love, I'm guessing, yeah. is the uh, debate here. Yeah, that, I mean, right now it's a no-brainer. I mean, Julian Love was right. pretty good as a freshman and then became an All-American. But uh, right, that's a that's a tough one. Look, Jeremiah loves the more dynamic athlete. He's got a chance to be the better player. He's got a lot to prove. But I'm I'm going to go with the known right now and say Julian Love just because of the known. Sure. I need to see Jeremiah do it. Sure. But I absolutely, if Jeremiah Love is the player we think he can be, he will be that. Now, will it will it come with the same accolades that Julian had? I don't know. Because Julian was a consensus All-American his last year at Notre Dame. Will Jeremiah Love be able to be that kind of guy? Will he get enough production to be that kind of guy? I don't know the answer to that because of how loaded they are. I mean, he, he could have oh, a great year and yeah. be a 1,000-yard back, and that's not enough to be a second-team All-American. Audrick Estime couldn't even get first-team All-American honors this year, and he had 1,300 yards and 18 touchdowns. Right. Right? Like, I don't know that Jeremiah's ever going to get that kind of workload like 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 Audrick did. Maybe. but yeah, the it, room it, is it, so loaded. But it still may be a situation where when you look at who's the better player, who would I rather have, it may be Jeremiah. But he's got a lot to prove because Julian Love was a – I mean, Julian Love was an All-American in 2018, and I would argue he was even better in 2017. I, I, he had 23 passes defensed in 2017. He was exceptional. Had, what, two, three pick sixes, right? Had two two for sure. He had one against Michigan State. had one against NC State. He had one against, against Wake Forest. He took inside the five. So he was – a 
very impactful player in 2017. His 2018 All-American honors came based off how good he was in 17, in my opinion. But he'll have a lot to prove. But Jeremiah can do it. It's it's not an absurd thing to say at all, Andrew. Like, it's a very good question and a very fair question. I'm just going to go with the guy that's more of the known commodity right now. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.